When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to episode 12, Blind Joe Parsons. Before we get started, I'd just like to remind everybody about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month, you can get extra shows and other bonus content. There's different reward levels there for things like t-shirts, stickers, and more. Our patrons there really help us out, and they really help us make Strange Familiars. So if you like what we're doing, please consider helping out patreon.com slash strange familiars and of course as always i want to thank our current patrons So tonight's show is one of our shows about history. 
There's not a terrible lot of paranormal stuff in this. There's some nice coincidences and some interesting stuff. This is a story that involves both Allison and myself, so she's going to be joining me again tonight. So this is a piece of history that was almost lost. I don't know that his story would have been lost because it's it's kind yeah, of a it was fam- repeated quite a few times. It's mm-hmm. Kind of a famous story, but we didn't know about it. Yeah, and it's included in the the famous like Civil War songbook. Yeah, and a couple other like Civil War books for kids and mm-hmm. stuff. I think Civil War uh, history buffs might you know Maybe. know the story. Yeah, and, but and, still, there's so many stories. It seems yeah. remote to know many of them. When we found this, it was just an object. It wasn't a story. There was no story associated with it. It was just an object we found. And it's two stories, really. It's the story of Joe Parsons, and it's kind of our story of of finding it and discovering what it was. And it starts out with a walk. We've just taken a walk to the local antique shop, which is, uh, what? quarter of a mile up the road, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. It closed recently, unfortunately, right in our town. We, We go there frequently. And we walked in, and we found an old photograph, which was a tintype. Now, very quickly, let's go over the kinds of old photographs. Tintypes were not actually on tin. No, there aren't iron. That's why they're sometimes called ferrotypes. On a very thin, like, iron plate. Mm-hmm. So tintypes aren't the oldest. No, generally speaking, modern photography is credited as starting, like, in 1839 with Daguerre where the name daguerreotype comes from, okay, French yeah. photographer. And that was a specific style. Those look kind of mirror-y. Yeah, they look like, yeah, you can, if you're if you're looking and trying to determine what's what, cased photographs like that can be daguerreotypes, ambertypes, or sometimes tintypes that are cased in that same. They, they look like tiny little books or little yeah, frames. Yeah, with, with cool little hooks on the end. Yeah, they're r- really interesting. It was daguerreotypes, ambertypes. Then came tintypes, basically. I yeah, mean, basically, roughly. in a rough, yeah, in yeah, a rough sense. Roughly. And then we're still in the 1800s here. Yeah, very, yeah. During the Civil War, uh, CDVs begin to come in. Yeah, but I, but tintypes are great because they're like the first sort of egalitarian, really cheap, easy to come by So probably a lot of wealthy people had daguerreotypes and so forth. Yeah, I think like because of the nature of the war and because of the nature of tintypes, they become a, a kind of a perfect match because you have now a cheap, accessible way to produce photography and also to get photography in the hands of people that weren't able to maybe go to a larger town where a professional studio would be set up. We could have roaming, traveling photographers traveling. And, and so forth. Uh, just quick before we get back to our story, after the tintype comes the CDV generally, and that's yeah. on paper, right? Yeah, and there, I mean, some of that starts to come in about the same time as the tintypes, but just as, in an easy way of thinking of it, tintypes kind of have their heyday around the time of the Civil War. Okay, and then the CDV is like the little little cards, but it's it's paper. It's yeah. a paper image. Yeah, and if you think of like what you would think of as a calling card or a, sort of like a proto-business card, they're a little bit larger than that. And a lot of, towards the end of the war or in the middle of the war, a lot of people were getting those. To, a lot of soldiers would get them to give them away to their, their sweethearts or their Yeah, or, or to carry a photograph with them. Yeah. Later, after the CDVs, come the cabinet cards, which take yeah. us into the early 1900s. Exactly. And then, then you start to get more mounted cards that are even accessible to amateur people, like with the brownie cameras and the, and the first sort of the dawn of photography moving from a really professional setting to something that becomes a hobby. 
<laughs> in the 1800s, we, we, we generally know tintypes, a good rule of thumb is around the time of the Civil War. Yeah, generally speaking. And tintypes are very unique looking. If you don't know what tintypes are, Allison and I collect old photographs we have for... Almost 20 years, probably. It, 20 years. A long time. <laughs> I love tintypes. I think you you put it that they're a little bit more dimensional. Like they, they seem yeah, like they, they have more ha- depth. Yeah, they have more depth, I think, than paper photography does, even though sometimes paper photography is a little clearer. And that's a lot of the tintypes have a lot to do with who's taking the photo. Right. Yeah, there, There's a lot to be said for skill at this point. Tintypes in general, they, they have kind of a dull, silvery look to them. It, very interesting. I just, I've always loved the way they look before I even knew what they, they were. They do have sort of a haunting look because they're all gray tones, sort of shadowy. Yeah. And you were saying that there's no negative for these. So they're, they're one-off images. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they would do a bunch of them on a plate, but they were usually different images. So in general, there's not a glass negative somewhere. No, there isn't. If you have a tintype, you have an original, most likely. Yeah. So we we walk to this local antique store, and I find this tintype of a guy in dark glasses sitting there. He's got a beard. He just looked neat. I took him to you, and you said, oh, that's a blind man. That's that's neat. Let's get that image. And it was $7, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you said, well, uh, you know, what's, where'd you find that? Let me go see. So I took you back to that stand and there were there were other cards there. Cabinet cards and, mm-hmm. and photos going into the early 20th century. Yeah. You bought most of them, but not, not all of them at the time, which is important. This, this mm-hmm. comes back as part of the story later, but you did buy a lot of these photographs. Yeah, I think that because I think initially there was um, an album, like it wasn't an antique album. Someone had kind of made an album out of the family members. Yeah, they just and had there a was, bunch yeah, And there was of a lot of, uh, just a ton of photos. It just seemed like a good deal in general. I don't even know if initially I, I realized it was the same family. I yeah, think I, I think just happened just to get them on the same photos, day. Yeah. We said, oh, let's just grab all these mm-hmm. photos. And again, we didn't get all of them. We no. bought a good chunk of what mm-hmm. was there, but but not all of them. So we take all the pictures home, and the tintype is in a little cardboard... Uh, like a paper sleeve. Like a paper sleeve. It's like a paper mat. And that, it's sealed um, with the original. So it's never been taken out of there, so we know it belongs to that initially. And tintypes sometimes come in these, sometimes mm-hmm. not. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just find them loose. Sometimes they'll be rusted. I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, some of the really neat as if the the uh, metal, it's very thin you know, iron that they're printed uh-huh. on. So uh, The emulsion cracks and it, it exposes a part that can become rusty. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it'll get rusty. And, and yes, these are printed on iron. So we're tying back to the, the last couple of shows unintentionally, really. But this is in its original case, like, a, like you said, a thin paper kind of, it's like, like a little frame that mm-hmm. they put them in. And on the back, it's written Uncle Joe Parsons. So it's identified, probably. Yeah. From a ancestor standpoint, it is. You know, as much as when you write mom on it or, exactly. or Aunt Sally. Well, he had a name, and he was an interesting-looking guy. It's a really great picture. Yeah, and he doesn't, like, to me, he looks sort of not even of his time. Yeah, it's kind of timeless. He, kind yeah, of. he has a really um, sort of much more updated quality to him. Like, if you saw a picture of of someone now that looked like that it wouldn't seem out of place no he could be sitting on the street in brooklyn yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we had a name and i just typed it into google i just said well let's let's see what comes up so i type in this name joe parsons and he you, you know we knew he was blind so i put blind in joe parsons or joe parsons blind i'm not sure which order i typed it yeah. in. and this incredible story comes up 
a Maryland hero. He was a bold soldier boy with his eyes shot out, his heroic act. In the early part of the war, Jury Commissioner Mansfield was in Falkir County, Virginia, fighting in several skirmishes around Fairfax Courthouse. A bullet in the shoulder incapacitated me for a few days, and I had to have it cut out at a temporary hospital in the rear of our lines, said Colonel Mansfield not long ago, as he revived some of his old war experiences. In this hospital I noticed one day a soldier leaning out of a window. He had a broad bandage over his eyes, and I knew he couldn't see, for he was straining forward in a rather dangerous position. All the time he was singing, I'm a bold soldier boy, etc., Seeing his perilous attitude, I walked up and pulled him back, telling him that he was leaning out too far and might take a tumble. All right, sir, said he. I can't see, you know. What's your name, I asked, and where are you from? Joe Parsons, he answered, from Maryland. He had been wounded in one of the first skirmishes in the Virginia hills. A mini-ball had passed directly through his eyes, forever destroying the sight. The fellow, who was only twenty years old, was as happy as a lark. While I stood looking at him, he again broke out joyously, I am a bold soldier boy. I was morbidly interested in him. It's dreadful, I remarked, hoping to draw him out to tell me his story. It might have been worse, he answered laconically. I might have been killed. Alas, the poor fellow was too young to realize this miserable affliction. "'How did you get here?' I asked, wondering if he had crawled to the place or had been found and carried to it. "'After I was hit,' he told me, "'I lay all night in the grass where I had fallen. "'The pain was pretty bad, but what worried me more than anything else "'was that I couldn't hear anybody or anything. It was so still. "'I didn't know where I was, and as I couldn't see, "'I had no way of knowing where I could get to.' even if I did attempt to crawl away. Soon the firing began again, and the balls whistled all around me. Then I did make an attempt to get out of the way, and crawled about a dozen yards, in what I supposed a backward direction, when I heard a fellow groan. "'Hello,' I said. "'Hello,' said he. "'Who are you?' I asked. "'A rebel?' "'I reckon I am,' answered the man, whom I could not see." "'And you must be a Yankee,' he continued. "'That's what,' said I. "'Where are you hurt?' "'Leg smashed,' answered the Confederate. "'Can't you see?' "'No.' "'Can you see?' "'Oh, yes, I can see well enough.' "'Well, then, let's help each other,' I said. "'My eyes are shot out, but I'm pretty good on my legs, "'and with them in your eyes, we ought to be able to get out of this. "'You pile onto my back and steer me where to go.' This the fellow did, and we were soon under way. Now and then we had to rest a spell and take a drink out of his canteen. When he told me to stop, where do you suppose he had steered me? Right into the tent of a Confederate officer. The captain came up and asked us where we had come from. I told him, and caught me by the hand, and told me that he reckoned I was done for and couldn't do any more shooting. He asked me if I wanted to go home and I begged him to send me over to our lines. He'd have done it without the asking, he said, and again grabbed me by the hand. Next day he sent me over on a transport after his surgeon had bandaged my eyes. That young lad had grit, concluded Colonel Mansfield. 
for as I passed on, his clear, shrill voice sang out again, I am a bold soldier boy. St. Louis Republic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we have this story of this Civil War hero. And the question becomes, do we have the right Joe Parsons? Yeah, it's a pretty common name, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how many blind guys named Joe Parsons were there at the time? How can we be sure, though? Mm-hmm. Could have been somebody wrote on the back of this that they thought that's who it was. We mm-hmm. don't know for sure until we start looking at the other photos Yeah, that we bought with it. And these photos were also identified. Yeah, one says uh, the name of his brother. So you start to see the Parsons name repeat again. And then there was one photo that was really kind of the turning point in that it was a group of sisters that all had the names and their birth dates. And it said to their brother, Reuben, that was the key. So we had names of his family. And, and, mm-hmm. and now you could look and do the genealogy. Yeah, them. And then it started to fall together really quickly. So we know we have the right Joe Parsons. Because once I do the genealogy, I can even see on the census that it's marked that he's blind. Right. Because that was a common thing to mark. So we know it's the Joe Parsons from the article, which is pretty incredible. There are other pictures of him amongst the family in later years. We're pretty sure it's him. Mm -hmm. But as far as a photo of Joe Parsons at the time of the Civil War, this may be it. Yeah, I'm, I imagine this is probably right after, either during the time he was staying in the medical hospital or maybe shortly afterward. Yeah, it had it, to be right yeah, around that time. Yeah, it could even be something that he had a picture taken of to send back to his family just to kind of say, hey, I'm doing fine, you know, right. kind of thing. We looked for pictures of his unit. We looked for other pictures of him in uniform. We, we could find none of that. Mm-hmm. They may be out there. If they are, if somebody can put the, us in uh, touch with those pictures somewhere, that'd be great. He was yeah. in uh, the um, Baltimore. He, he was uh, the Maryland 1st Regiment, I think. Maryland 1st Regiment. And, of course, he fought in Antietam, and, and that's where he was blinded. But uh, I think we probably have the only, the only photo of him at the time. Uh, for, yeah, unless time. some other rogue part of the family that got a different group of pictures has it exactly but, uh, yeah. yeah it could be that it we could have, be yeah. we have the mm-hmm. only photo of joe parsons at the time we're certain that it's the joe parsons in the article the family moved to ohio then yeah eventually they settled in ohio and you can see that on the census and so forth yeah mm-hmm. 
And it was somehow we, we knew those photos came from a lot from Ohio. Was it, did the, well, almost all of them say, oh, the photographer on them, almost all of them say Belleville, Ohio. Okay. So that was another way we tracked it. We, mm-hmm. we, the, the family moved by the census and the photos, the other photos mm-hmm. came from Ohio. And Joe's incredibleness doesn't stop with his being a hero in the Civil War and his apparently wonderful attitude in the hospital. He becomes a horse trainer. Yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I mean, really, the logistics of it. And we found two articles. There's an early one that we'll have you read. This is from the Pantograph in Bloomington, Illinois, June 5th, 1880. Joseph Parsons bought Ed Benton's horse. Joe was totally blind, but a good judge of horse flesh. He led the horse home with as much facility as if he had his sight. He goes by the sense of feeling in everything and seldom makes a mistake. He married his wife without seeing her and has no cause of complaint. This incredible man has this incredible story already. If he does nothing else than carry that Confederate soldier off the battlefield, he's had an incredible story. Yeah. And now he's a blind horse trainer. And we have another story about how well he trained these horses. Joseph Parsons, the blind horse tamer, has taught a horse to follow him all around town, indoors and out of doors, upstairs and downstairs, without being guided by the hand. We would not be surprised if Joe would learn a horse to lead him in the same way, a feat not more difficult when we consider his total blindness. Part of the our story part of it for me is thinking about what would have happened if we didn't buy this photo? What could have happened if mm-hmm. we didn't buy this photo? And there's every chance it could have been lost to time. I mean, lost. someone could have bought it and not done the research. Yeah, in fact, I went back a few months ago just to see that stand because I was in the the antique store anyway, and the stand was gone. Said that the lady that owned it had to sell everything at auction, and none of the remaining photos were there. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, if we hadn't gotten it and it sold at auction, it could have been spread into 15 different lots somewhere. and Yeah, somebody could have bought it. And, have, and, and even with the most diligent research, had no way to prove that that's who it was. Exactly, and... The other thing about when things get sold in lots, I mean, we know this from going to auctions mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes somebody will buy a lot to get, you know, there might be photographs and something else. That they, and they really, want, that they, they actually wanted. They want the something else. They mm-hmm. don't care about the photographs. Yeah. They'll buy that lot of stuff to get the something else. And the, the photographs, if they're not a reseller, if they don't know anything about photographs, those photographs are done. Yeah, I've, a lot of times I've had people say, oh, I just threw out boxes of photographs. I didn't know anyone collected them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe somebody else could have found it and they would have done the research. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's, it's quite possible. But it, it's also possible that this could have been lost to time. So the photograph would, would have been lost. His story, I think, stays. Mm-hmm. But it's the photograph connected us to his story. It connected us to this p- piece of history. To me, it just became a really cool thing. I, yeah, I, it went I really from feel being it, like really abstract to very humanized. Absolutely. And I really feel like we have a piece of history, which is odd because... Maybe we'll talk about this on other shows. I don't feel like it's the only piece of really important history we own, and we're not wealthy people. No, I think that's kind of the thing that from this that also kind of haunts me. It's like, 
how much history is getting thrown away every day oh, yeah, or exactly. misplaced. How or... much are we missing? Yeah. So do your research or let <laughs> us do your research. Happily, it came into a house where we actively like doing research and, and we love this kind of thing. So I'm very happy we own this. I feel privileged. thought it was a good enough story where we thought let's take it to the antiques roadshow yeah <laughs> so here's a here's a another part of the story i'll say me going into it i was a thousand percent convinced that this story was going to blow them away and we were going to be on tv we were going to be featured it's going to knock them out i was a bit naive I pretty much just wanted to make a connection with someone who could sell it for me if I came up with a really great price or if could put me in touch with someone who could get it to the right people to, to keep it in a museum somewhere. We go to the Antiques Roadshow. Co-worker of yours, very, very kindly. Yes, thank you to Christy for giving me her tickets. Very kindly gave us tickets and we wait in line. They send us to the photography people first. Yeah. And we show the photography lady. A specialist in photography and she says oh this is very interesting go see the military guy and she gives us a little piece of paper that basically says go to the head of the class you know you, you get to skip the line there's a very short line for photography i think that we might have been the only people in it or maybe there was one person yeah in front a, of us if you're going to the antiques road show photography is a good thing to bring <laughs> <laughs> and the military line was massive maybe the longest line in the place Behind and, paintings, maybe. Yeah. And we got to skip to the head of it, which was pretty pretty nice. We go, and then there's one person in front of us to see the, the military guy. Yeah, who also had an amazing hair work. <laughs> Shadow box. <laughs> hair work is a Victorian morning practice. Morning practice and we're going to get into that in another show. Mm -hmm. But uh, we go up and see the, the military guy, and he, he's looking at it. And he's we had, we had the newspaper article printed out, and we had the photograph with us, and we had all of our research done and he's reading the article and he's looking up at us and he's looking over at the picture and he goes back to reading the article and he looks at the picture and looks at us and he says this is incredible he says this this is the best story i've heard all day he said this i'm shaking reading this article and of course i'm thinking yes we're going on tv this is it he's going to send us over the way the antiques roadshow is laid out for people who've never been there it, all the Experts and estimators and so forth are around the outside, kind of in a circle, while they're filming the main part of the show in the center of this this sort of ring. And it all takes place in a very kind of small area, I yeah, think, really. Yeah, considering they could have really spread out through that arena we were in. Mm -hmm. They didn't take up much area. So I'm thinking he's going to send us into the center. Basically, he did say, this is the coolest thing I've seen all day. He did. He, he yeah. was... He said, this is incredible. He I said, I can't wait to tell the other guys, you know, the, the other military guys. And he kind of just sent us on our way. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was just like, okay, you're done. He did say he thought it was worth about $1,000. Uh, that's the, the price he put on it, which I think it's worth personally a lot more than that to the right person, to the right collector of maybe a Civil War stuff or of Antietam stuff or of wounded soldiers identified soldiers it's possibly worth a lot more than that i don't really care 
I'm not going to sell it for a thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, that's an, I, I feel like a lot of times that's sort of an arbitrary. It's it's the history I'm interested in. I mean, I I would like to see it go on display somewhere. I would consider loaning it if Antietam has a museum or a place to display it. I would consider you know loaning it to them. It feels to me far more important than thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, and and maybe that's just because we do kind of romanticize that idea of plucking someone from obscurity and giving ba- them back their immortality. Right, and because it's become such a, a personal story for us. Yeah. You know, our story of finding it and of doing the research has become part of the story for us. But whatever the case, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to part with it for a thousand bucks. Later on, it must have been you who said to me, you know, they probably know what they're going to put on these shows before they ever come to town. They're At not least to an extent. They're not going to leave it to chance. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense. I, yeah. We don't know. I'm going to have to say we don't know. That's the way yeah. Antifa works. Some of it could be sort of serendipity, but I have a hard time believing But that, that would make sense. If I was putting on a TV show, I would want to do that. Mm-hmm. I would want to know for a fact. Because you can't leave that to chance. You're there for one day, two days, whatever it is. And there's certainly things that skew really to a... A certain niche audience that that are very popular you know it's people like to see certain things i don't know why they do all that boring china then but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it, it would make sense again we don't know we don't really have any uh, inside working knowledge other than the fact that we no. saw, we saw the layout of how kind of how they do it yeah but we don't know what, how they really choose what goes on but it would make sense like if i was putting on a show I wouldn't leave it to chance. If, if I had to roll in and I was going to be in a place for a day or two, yeah. I wouldn't leave it to chance that someone might show up with something cool. That's how I'm consoling myself, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like... I, I, I wasn't expecting that kind of experience, so that doesn't really bother me. Oh, I just thought we had the best story in the world. You know, I thought it was not in the world, but I thought we had a great Antiques Roadshow story. It's a great American story. This is a story of, of humanity. That, oh, what an incredible, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what an incredible guy, what an incredible story for him to pick that to the enemy soldier up and put him on his back. And He's blind. He's blind. He's been hit in the face with a mini ball and he picks the guy up and says, let's get off this battlefield. Incredible. They did film a, a little segment of us in the feedback booth, the little thing they put at the end. So may, maybe, maybe we'll be on. Who knows? Along with all the people that are acting like ridiculous like <laughs> <laughs> at the end yeah the, the, the feedback booth they like the silly the silly people i don't imagine they'll contact us and, and tell us that that hey you made the feedback See, are you segment. still thinking that this is a possibility for this part of it that you're you're going to be picked for this part of it too <laughs> i guess it's a possibility they did film it yeah I mean, who knows the woman filming it said wow so <laughs> <laughs> well there you go worth, for whatever that's worth But the story doesn't quite end there. There's one little extra part, which is really, really neat. And it comes down to a bit more of a coincidence or synchronicity. To me, there's two more interesting parts. And that is that the family line that ends the genealogy. Oh, yes. Also happens to be two people that were really instrumental in collecting circus uh, memorabilia, which is. So as you're doing the the genealogy for Mm -hmm. Joe, for Joe Parsons, you find that two of his relatives yeah and these are like the last people this is probably the estate that was sold 
where whoever the antique dealer bought it from like it's their stuff basically and they were circus collectors and they were circus collectors and when i was like why does this name sound so familiar to me and i looked it up and i was like yeah i've seen it before because there's a whole collection of their estate of their circus memorabilia at a particular college out in the midwest you know in old issues of uh the circus magazine white tops i just found one today actually it was a half page ad they had taken out to wish everyone a merry christmas and there's their name wow so there's the circus connection you you collect or you know circus stuff and and do the research on a lot of the performers the other one is pretty neat too so this is after we went to the roadshow a little while, uh, yeah. You know, um, but t- probably two years after the initial time that we found the photograph. So two years after we bought the photograph, roughly, we're in another sort of junky antique shop across town. It's it's yeah. um, really on the other side of of the county, really mm-hmm. from, from from where we live. We happen to be looking through boxes. I mean, he has boxes of books and boxes of this and boxes of that, and we found a box of photographs, and we're kind of just flipping through quickly. We thought, well, you know, this guy doesn't really deal in photographs. Let's just take the whole box up to the counter, see if he'll just sell us the whole box. Yeah, and he sold us the whole box, which is nice. Yeah, and... it gave us a, a, a very good price. He, he, you know, he was happy. We were happy. We walked out with these old photographs. And as you're looking through, you start I, laughing. Yeah, I start to see people that look familiar. There's a specific wallpaper pattern, which is like really ornate that's in the background of a lot of the Parsons family photos. And there it, ha- it is again. <laughs> it happened to be the rest of the lot from the antique store in our neighborhood. I assume what happened is when all of her things were sent to auction, this guy just buys box lots, and that's how it ended up in his junk shop. So we ended up with the, the, the rest, rest of, the of these, these Parsons, or whatever was left yeah. you know, of these uh, Parsons family photos in the end, which I, I thought was a... And we hadn't been to that antique store in probably 15 years, I think. Oh, yeah. It's not something we would hit regularly. The no. one in town, when we found the Joe Parsons photo, we would hit regularly just because it's, yeah, it's a walk. But, we but could this walk one was like just totally... Yeah, it's just a random day. We and it had to have been just recently because he just moves things so quickly because they're so cheap there. It had to have been just recently that he got it or yeah. it wouldn't be kind of at the top of his junk pile for us to see. Yeah, we I wonder in. if that's where the copies of uh, the the magazines came from, it's, too. It's, oh, yeah, but that's yeah, where we got a bunch of the, those White Top Circus magazines. Yeah. And the, in the same store. So, yeah, it could have been. They could have come all the way from, from Ohio Yeah, in that same lot. So that was a very interesting little... Uh, Another knot in in the thread. Of the yeah, story. I mean, like for me, this is the closest to paranormal I get. Is this idea that like history is kind of pulling me towards certain objects? Like that's probably the closest I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Allison is our resident skeptic, but hey, I'll take it. I love that kind of synchronicity. It's just pretty amazing. If we weren't in the right place at the right time, we didn't get any of it. Yeah. Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, darkhollerarts.com, music, books, podcasts, and more. Darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Stonebreath.bandcamp.com if you want to hear more. And our reader this episode was Serata.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.